Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. With One Sonic. High definition audio noise cancelling headphones designed in Ireland. Visit onesonic.com. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, I meet with members of the Defence Forces as they take part in a cyber defence exercise. We'll hear from the Irish company that will buy back your old tech. And we will, of course, talk about Christmas. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. Uh, and we're going to kick off this week's show with the Defence Forces. I went along to McKee Barracks in Dublin earlier this week to meet with members of the team. I had never been on the site of a barracks before and I was very excited to meet the team and to learn more about the emphasis that is placed on cybersecurity, education and lifelong training. Here is how I got on. My name is Colin Ken Sheehan. I am the officer commanding of 1 Brigade CIS Company and I'm Excise Director for the Irish part of uh, the NATO Excise Cyber Coalition. Cyber Coalition has been uh, run since uh, 2008 and it uh, exercises um, different countries in um, various different cyber scenarios. This year, uh, 30 NATO countries and four partner nations, ourselves, Switzerland, uh, Sweden and Finland, are taking part in the exercise. Uh, over 1,000 are, are, are taking part in the exercise this year. Um, number of different scenarios are being exercised and uh, this year they're focusing in on uh, ransomware attacks on, on healthcare services on a, a gas line um, attack and then a cyber attack on a, uh, a troop deployment so they're all very relevant uh, to what we've seen over the last few years is this something that happens regularly or is this in response to you know the, the recent uh, rise in cyber attacks so this exercise has been happening since 2008 uh, and it's been run out of the Cooperative Cyber Defence School of Excellence, Excellence which is uh, based in uh, Tallinn in Estonia. Uh, the Defence Forces has been uh, uh, taking part since uh, 2013. So this is something that we've been doing for, for, for a number of years. In recent months here on Tech Talk, we've heard from the Acting Director of the National Cyber Security Centre in the wake of the HSE cyber attack. He spoke about the work that they do on a daily basis to prevent cyber attacks rather than reacting to them is that something and is that a body that you are in constant contact with and liaising with to develop a strategy not only to react but also hopefully to catch and prevent so as part of this exercise we're, we're working with our partners in the, the national cyber security center uh, who, who are present here and also the the, the Garda national cyber crime bureau who are also taking part in the exercise um as i suppose over the last few months we have worked uh, with, the, with the NCSC uh, as part of the response to the HSC cyber attack. Um, my own unit um, carried out a joint operation in the, the Cork area where we, uh, where we visited a number of HSC locations um, and this was really, really important and I don't think that there's been a more important mission that I've carried out in the Defence Forces. Um, and I went into the hospital where my, my children were born and we helped get that hospital um, or clear some machines in that hospital which was good uh, and the other thing then is my wife's a, a nurse in Formoy so I actually ended up in, in her office uh, and, uh, and got her computer back up and running so that was a really important mission for, for the Defence Forces People might be surprised to hear the Defence Forces going into hospitals and getting involved in something like that for those who don't know, because everyone knows what you look like, everyone knows the uniform and the cars and all the rest, but just explain the different divisions and when you get involved in cybercrime like that. 
So um, the, the, the core that I'm in is the Communications and Information Services core and uh, we, um, we, we, we run the, the, the strategic, operational and tactical communications for the, for the Defence Forces and that's everything from, from, from the radio systems that we have to, to, to our satellite systems to our, to our white IT uh, type of equipment um, so we support that um, in the 2015 white paper on defence um, the uh, for the first time a um, the defence forces uh, started to talk about uh, cyber um, and um, so over the last few years we've we, we've started to, to, to get more and more involved in, in, in that in terms of the technical skills is that something that is constantly being worked on and developed because we know you know whether it is at home or in work or you know nationally there are new types of tech coming down the tracks the entire time and to try and stay on top of that and understand how it works but also how it could be manipulated is of like massive importance i would say it is and it's something that the defense forces recognizes um and uh, a number of our personnel are uh, carrying out or have carried out the, the, the masters in uh, forensic computing and cybercrime investigation in, in UCD. Um, I'm, I'm I'm doing it myself at the moment, and it's um it's 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 certainly incredibly beneficial to us as the defence forces that uh, that we have personnel who have have done that course. And so for the last uh, eighteen months, we have had a officer seconded uh, from the defence forces uh, to the uh, cooperative. Uh, Cyber Defence Centre of Excellence in Tallinn. Uh, so he's been working there as a researcher, um, and he uh, he's in content, constant contact with us then in the Defence Forces, just so w we have a better uh, realization of uh, what the um, what is happening uh, internationally uh, in in the cyber domain. Uh, we also have a, an officer uh, that's that that's flown out to Tallinn uh, as part of this exercise, and so he's uh, coordinating um, the the serials and, and feeding them back in then to us uh, back, back here in Ireland. Hello, um, my name is Lieutenant Shane Dunn uh, from Two CIS Army Reserve, and I'm one of a member of a large contingent of reservists who are participating in the uh, Cyber Coalition exercise today. So, uh, like all reservists within the Defence Forces, we're a good representation of. Ireland's soci modern society uh, in terms of working for a range of different well-known companies like Cisco, BT, AWS, Kerry Group, Glanbia, very well-known high street names. Um, in this particular case, our civilian skill sets that we use, all generally in the IT area, but also with specific skills in cyber defence and cyber security, um, are able to be utilised by the Defence Forces as part of this exercise. And so you're bringing that experience in, but also I say there is a great other experience with the collaboration that we heard about with those different bodies. It must be very beneficial to have everybody coming together to run through these types of exercises. Absolutely. Um, so Ireland is obviously very well known as a digital hub in Europe. Um, Ireland is a relatively small community and, and those relationships both built out in the private sector and obviously within exercises like this are a key aspect uh, of these types of, uh, of exercises. Getting to know people is, is also part of the uh, experience and it helps us work together better. We, we heard a little bit about what's going on uh, behind us in that room. So what will be your role or can you tell us a little bit about what you'll be doing? So I am one of the team leaders as part of the uh, the exercise which has been running over the last few days. Um, so my job is coordinating some of the messaging and information that's coming down as part of the exercise, disseminating it to the team who are working on a particular uh, scenario that's going on. Uh, and as they work through that, information requests, things like that uh, are generated as we go along. So it's coordination, um, ensuring all the information is collected, we're moving forward in the scenario, learning as much as we can, uh, developing as much experience as we can as part of that. We heard about some of the scenarios that the teams will be working through. 
obviously a lot of it came to be uh, reality earlier this year with the HSE cyber attack. We had the colonial pipe attack in the US. There's been a lot of this going on. Does the fact that we are starting to see elements of these threats in our real lives here in Ireland help with the sense of urgency or the curiosity of the people taking part today to try and get to the bottom of it and work out a system that will enable best collaboration and best practice for the next time it comes around? So obviously cyber has been a huge topic this year and it's it's front of mind for everybody within the country so we are no exception to that as well. Um, exercising the skills that we actually get here uh, for the reservist side of the house, it, you know, you're essentially exercising the skills that you're using on a day-to-day -day basis as well, but absolutely developing other areas and, and improving our capability in this particular area as well. So it, it absolutely is an area that I think every Irish person will be aware of mm -hmm. uh, these days. Uh, we're no exception. Can you tell me a little bit about your background when it comes to the Defence Forces and how you came to uh, be where you are now? Okay, yes, so I've been a member of the Defence Forces for over 20 years as a reservist. Um, like a lot of the reserve members who are participating today, I didn't necessarily start within CIS and communications. I would have started within infantry. We have a number of people within the, uh, the exercise who are still actually within line units and non-CIS uh, type uh, units. However, their civilian skill sets allow them to, uh, to participate as part of the exercise here. Um, in terms of uh, you know your career progression within the reserve, everybody starts as a private or are trained as a soldier first, and then as their career progresses, they can be promoted into positions of um, responsibility like non-commissioned officers or officers like myself, as well as specialising in particular areas such as cores, training, uh, technical skills, uh, such as what we're seeing at the Cyber Coalition. How demanding is it to go alongside your civilian job to, to dedicate time and energy and headspace to, to your work with the Defence Forces? It is a balancing act, uh, as all work-life balance is, uh, when you add another work element, essentially, uh, as part of... Uh, as part of your engagement. Uh, it is very rewarding. It is a two-way two street or else we probably all wouldn't do it. Uh, but it is important to, to try and get that balance uh, as part of it. Uh, employers increasingly are very supportive of reservists in terms of, uh, of supporting their work and, and, and reserve activities, including this event here today. Um, so, that, so that's an, an additional uh, element that's welcome. You're doing this for decades now. Do you still enjoy it? Do you still have the same grows when you started? Absolutely, because of the evolution of the role, your uh -huh. responsibility, it's like a new job every day, uh, potentially. Um, and being able to move within different units, different roles, different um, specialisations, uh, it keeps it very fresh and keeps it very interesting as part of that. Um, introducing the, uh, the civilian job element to it as part of the Defence Forces, there's two strains of thought, is it a busman's holiday where you're essentially doing what I do as a job, but there's also a rewarding aspect associated with that as well. And, the impact that you're able to bring to the organisation, the, uh, the benefits mm -hmm. in itself is a hugely rewarding aspect to it. Hi, my name is Captain Kate O'Flynn. Uh, so I'm a member of Defence Forces for 14 years. I've been in CIS Corps for the last six years. Um, I'm currently based in One Brigade CIS in Collins Barracks in Cork. Uh, as part of that role, um, we deal with both the IT element and the radio element um, of the Communication Informa Information Systems Corps. Um, so it's quite um, mixed in mm -hmm. the different roles our personnel have in the unit. And this year in particular, between you know the pandemic, between the cyber attack and so on, has it been a more demanding period for the Defence Forces? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, our personnel were, yeah, they were in great demand. Um, they were pushed their limits at times, um, but they I suppose as part of the Defence Forces, you're trained for that. Um, and I suppose civilians recognise that they saw how adaptable the Defence Forces were. Um, when they were deployed as part of the HSE, as part of the COVID mm -hmm. um, 
element as well and how adaptable the defence forces are and going into buildings and just doing what had to be done um, and just taking it in their stride really. Mm-hmm. So today we're here for this exercise. Um, am I right in saying that you're one of the team leads as well? Yeah, so I'm one of the um, instruments response managers as well. Um, so I'm looking at the reporting side, uh, bringing up what the technicians can bring to me and then I report it back up to the um, exercise control, um, gathering all the data required, looking at the problems um, and then leaving the actual technical experts uh, actually do their job then, mm-hmm. giving them the space to do that and work within their, their various groups. Are training days like this, or the, the weeks and the, the scenario planning and stuff like that, is it enjoyable or is it you know a frustration maybe that some people can't work out scenarios on their own? They have to be part of the, the, the cooperation and the collaboration with the other units? No, I think people really enjoy this element of Cyber Coalition. It's a very enjoyable experience. People get, get an opportunity to um, exercise themselves in cyber where they might not be working in their daily tasking as in a cyber role mm-hmm. especially for our permanent defence forces members um, they get that opportunity they get to broaden their skill set a lot of them have various cyber masters that they've gone on and done on their own behalf as well um, like education is a matter, massive part of CIS core and they get to exercise that where they wor- normally wouldn't and then they have that skill set ready to go um, as seen this year with the HSE mm-hmm. um, when we, the Defence Forces were called in to assist. For people listening to this now who may be interested in the Defence Forces and who may not have realised how extensive the uh, computing, the coding, the security, the cyber security aspect really is, what is the process to, to become what you are now? You don't have to be a graduate. You can go in in two roles. You can go in as a recruiter, you can go in as a cadet. If you go in as a recruit, there's great opportunities. You can do a training technician scheme um, upon completion of your basic training, and that's how you get into the CIS core. Um, everyone present here today from the PDF side has done the training technician scheme. Um, they then go on to do an electronic engineering degree, and then there's a wealth of opportunity afforded to them um, going forward in the Defence Forces. Um, when you go in as a cadet, then you can also come in if you have your degree or else if you're an, um, a non-grad as well, you have the option to go back to college and to actually do some sort of degree IT related. Um, and then you can get entry to the CIS core that way also. And then there is education provided further on down through your career within the Defence Forces. Oh, great. So there is that lifelong learning aspect. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a major element of I suppose, CIS core and it's um, a great way of investing in our people. Diversity uh, and equality are big topics at the moment in the tech industry, in the tech sector, but also obviously in within uh, the defence forces as well. What is the breakdown, or is there a, a clear breakdown in terms of uh, the, the gender equality within the space? So if you look worldwide, I suppose you've got twenty five percent of the tech industry is predominantly male or female, twenty five percent. Then from a defence force perspective, we have ninety three percent males. Um, in the Defence Forces, that only 7% female. And then you come into CIS Corps, it's reduced again. Um, if you look here today, there's less than 1% represented by females. Um, it's an ongoing issue. Uh, we're looking at it from our recruitment in the Defence Forces, how we can get more females in, how we get that gender and diversity balance in the Defence Forces. Um, and it's a constant, it, goes, it comes back to STEM. And mm-hmm. there is a lot going back to STEM on it. Like and you know, encouraging females into that area and I suppose the element of can't see can't be as well is really prevalent in this um, but I think there is a greater uptake if you look um, in university etc and even in the CIS core there is more females applying but it's just getting I suppose letting them know that it is available to them and they're capable, there is capability there for females like. Sigmund Trevor Cummins 
I'm from Kilkenny. I work in DFHQ CIS in Dublin. Uh, I joined the Defence Forces uh, 20 years ago um, as an infantry sol soldier in Kilkenny. And I then pro progressed on to, become, to do the TTS scheme with the CIS Corps, uh, 2004, <laughs> a while now. And from that then I got a lot of uh, IT and technical ex expertise, uh, which I really enjoyed and brought me more in line with the changing environment that is the, the IT world. And I continue my education with the encouragement of the Defence Forces and the progression to this role as uh, I'm one of the technical leads here today. Um, the experience you get from an exercise like this is that when you're studying uh, a cyber course or any course, you're, you're isolated, you do most of it on your own. Um, you need an exercise like this to be worked with, um, to exercise your skills as a team more so. Mm -hmm. So you have a, your leader with tasks for you that has to be fed back up so the overall picture can be expanded on and the investigation can go off in a different direction. Um, when you're working with uh, other agencies or with the RDF, their skill sets from their civilian life comes in and it's an extra asset because they're working with either different systems that what we would have here in the Defence Forces. So it's a different skill set that you draw on that experience. You might n learn a new skill. You might expand on your own experiences that you've brought. So uh, from the new person that is doing the experience, the exercise this year for the first time to the experienced person every one of us will learn something new um, off someone else's experience you mentioned there about some of the um, the education that you've received over yeah. the last number of years how beneficial has that been not only to progressing your career but also the job satisfaction or scratching that itch that might be there to you know try something new and push yourself a little bit further um, with the evolution of technology, uh, you have to continuously uh, educate yourself on all the changes from operating systems to new technologies and new ways of doing something. So if you stay stagnant on what you're doing, you can't progress. That itch won't be there to scratch. You have to progress on. And when I did the TTS scheme, I then progressed on. I've done the master's now in cybersecurity and other uh, courses through the Defence Forces so the opportunities is there to learn and expand on your experiences. That was Commandant Ken Sheehan, Captain Kate O'Flynn, Lieutenant Shane Dunn and Signalman Trevor Cummins speaking to me at McKee Barracks earlier this week. I have to say I found uh, my time on site there utterly fascinating. It was great to see the work being done in terms of that NATO cybersecurity exercise and it just made me want to know more about the Defence Forces, I have to be completely honest. So I do hope uh, to chat with the team once again. And a big thanks to the entire team for letting me on site. Coming up next here on News Talk, I'll chat to the Cork-based company that wants to buy back your old tech. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. On News Talk. With One Sonic. High-definition audio noise-cancelling headphones. Designed in Ireland. Visit onesonic.com. Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. I mentioned it last week, but we do have a new email address for those looking for a bit of a helping hand when it comes to moving service provider, dealing with crappy customer service, tracking down the best gifts for Christmas, whatever the issue is, you can email consumer at newstalk.com and our team of experts is standing by to help. Uh, in the last few days alone, we have helped people get refunds from previous service providers. We have given a rundown on the best gifts you can buy on a strict budget. 
tons and tons of issues have been resolved so if you want to get in touch uh, and contact our team of experts the email address is consumer at newstalk.com and we're going to stick with the consumery theme now uh, and I'm delighted to say John Conway of Get Tech is with me uh, John, you're very welcome to the show. I am intrigued by what you do. Can you just start off by giving us a bit of an overview of what GetTech is? So what GetTech do is we're a reseller, completely online business of refurbished products. Um, we're established since 2015 and we basically sell anything and everything, mainly Apple products that are refurbished in-house and we're selling them all across Ireland and Europe. That's what we do. And the business has was actually recently acquired due to significant growth during COVID times. And that happened in June and I was appointed to, to run the business from the 1st of June. Oh, congratulations. Um, so as we've spoken about here on Tech Talk over the last few years, there has been a big focus on... Uh, extending the life cycle of products. Um, I think a lot of us for many years were guilty of upgrading every 18 or 24 months and leaving phones in drawers or passing them on to relatives, maybe, but very often we, we kind of held on to them. We know now that that's not great from an environmental point of view, but also from our pockets point of view. Can you just talk to me yeah. a little bit about how you've seen the changing attitudes of the consumers in recent years um, and the benefits of that as well. Yeah, like I'm, I'm in this industry around 10 years, so it, it certainly has changed a lot. And I think a lot of it comes from definitely the east side. People need to be more environmentally friendly, but also the increase in costs to buy a new device. Um, and, and refurbished is just refurbished or used is just a, a much better for alternative for people like the majority of our customers are actually parents who are buying for their kids and if you can get a, a phone which is 100 or 50 or two or 300 euro cheaper then it's the reason why the industry is booming and it's just such a such a huge focus and it's so important that we do decrease our, our e-waste mm. globally the um the one point you mentioned there when you were talking about what it is that you do and so on is the notion of refurbishing the devices as in you know putting them back to factory settings ensure ensuring that there's no trace data from previous owners and getting them to a standard where it's as close to as good as new as possible talk to me a little bit about that process and ensuring that every device that comes through your doors or your cyber doors meets those standards yeah, and, and being honest, because the industry is so new, it's it's experience is, is very valuable because like you have to be buying good quality products. Firstly, you have to be getting as close to source to the source as possible. And the source is you and the consumer, a person that like the reason there is refurbished products because people upgrade, they trade in their phone, mainly via Apple. Um, and then those phones are sold to distributors and distributors sell to companies like us. And um, so it's it's really about buying good quality. And then when it comes in the door, it's having a very, very, very tight quality controlled procedure of testing devices and um, opening them up internally, externally ex uh, inspecting them. And then generally what happens is the most common repair that we may have to do is replace the battery. Um, an iPhone can last for up to five, six, seven years, depending on how well it's looked after by its previous owner. 
So it's, but the quality control is everything. And, and for us, like we really, I think for us, like we've over 2,000, uh, five, nearly five-star reviews and it, it's just quality is everything. And it's, it's whatever about price, um, it, it's always competitive in the industry, especially with new players in the market, but quality has to come first. Let's talk about the prices for a second, though, because that is something that Mm -hmm. it's a huge draw for consumers when they see they can get an iPhone X for whatever amount of money, considerably cheaper than an iPhone 13. And if it is in good condition, you know, it's it's a very appealing notion. But from from your side, from the business point of view, how much do you need to invest in the phones so that you're still making a profit because it's still a business. You don't want to be giving the phones away for nothing. And obviously, as you said there, sometimes you have to replace batteries or screens or whatever it is. So how do you make that business seesaw uh, balance? Yeah, look, it is down to supply chains. so important. And like, like it is competitive. Margins are like tight, of course, but it's an economy of scale. We're, we're trying to grow this business um, and it's you also have to be having very good supply chains directly from where the parts are and and then i suppose for 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 like austin like every other company you're trying to offer more to the consumer like we're trying to offer a lot more to the consumer potentially buying tech accessories from us as well and then giving them the opportunity to trade in their device so it's that helps them but that also helps us because we're buying a device directly from a consumer giving them a better price than they would get elsewhere and then that device is coming into us. Generally, it's in original quality, so it may never have gotten repair. And that they're the devices we want because I suppose the refurbished industry is so vast. Like there's, when someone buys a refurbished phone, it doesn't always come from the same source. If it comes from China, for example, it, it means that it can, it, a generally a device that may have been bought by a, a company like us from China, um, it can get to China because a lot of work has been done on it previously and then it comes back and it looks brand new but functionally like internally it, it doesn't last it, it can go within a month and I've seen that over the past 10 years we generally would never buy not not to knock it but especially when it comes to the refurbished industry you really have to be buying stuff that's had as little work as possible and has as much original parts in it as possible. Yeah, the other advice I would give to people is to just be very cautious of who you're buying from because I've encountered certain refurbished selling websites um, that, mm-hmm. will, you know, they'll have a .ie domain, but then what, what comes to your mm-hmm. door is a laptop with a European keyboard layout, not an Irish keyboard layout, yeah. or, you know, small things like that. And all of a sudden, the bargain that you thought you were getting is not a bargain at all. It's a pain in the face because it can't work the way you need it to work, which is just not good enough. No, it's not. And I suppose there there is a lot of different marketplaces in place that but there's there's just so many different resellers um i suppose and with us you're getting exactly what you see we're based in cork our stock is here it's refurbished in-house if it needs to be our customer service is here and like generally like where we recently switched over to dpd it's next day delivery um and it's trying to do as much there's no reason why a company like us can't do what someone like swappy is doing for example um, there's no reason. It's it's just about having a good supply chain, having very good quality control, 
and having customer support and sales to back it up like yeah in terms of um get tech one thing that you guys do that is different to a lot a lot of uh others in this market is that you're buying tech back and i think that is something that's interesting can you talk to us a little bit about the criteria and the pricing as well to to sell tech on yeah, so I suppose the criteria is 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 going to be as vast as possible. Um, this only launched, um, like the company was only acquired in June, but we have it launched literally as of, as of last week because this is a, a important aspect for us. Um, and it's really at the moment on our website, it's the sell.gettech.com. You, we're buying mainly Apple products, everything from iPhones, iPads, Apple Watches, but we're also buying things like Fitbits. Um, we will be buying everything from Kindles. And the reason is everybody wants to get something at a better price if possible. And a lot of this technology, and I can guarantee you, you're probably the same. Everyone has a drawer full of phones. And, and what people don't realize is that generally use tech, particularly Apple or Samsung or any of the big brands, they're worth a lot more than people realize. And we've actively gone out to offer more to people than the likes of Apple. Um, so it's our pricing is very competitive and it's very simple like it's literally we're trying to we'll be we pick up the device there's no cost for them and we customer support to back it up and we're generally paying out within the day we receive it yeah Um, i'm on the website here now and um like you said it's pretty straightforward but what i appreciate is that there's different price points based on the condition of the phone so i just for just to have a snoop i went into an iphone 11 needs to be unlocked which is fair enough so again i went for the lowest capacity which is 64 gig and then you can decide on the condition so if it's broken you get 96 quid damaged 192 quartz glass 224 Fair condition 272, normal 320, like new 368, and brand new 384. That's not to be sniffed at. That, like any of those, is a considerable amount of cash, particularly if the phone is just sitting in a drawer. Yeah, exactly. And it, it is. And like, even if a phone is broken, which, like, you're saying they're 96 euro for a broken device. And, like, I suppose to give that context, a broken device is worth a lot of money to us because we want to be able to use those high quality parts and put it into a, a device that may need a new camera or may need a new charging port. Um, so I wouldn't throw out anything. It's, it, they're all worth money, but we, we're, we're kind of very, very, we want to be fair. Um, it's kind of reflected in our reviews and we're trying to offer good pricing and then try and be as clear as possible to people and help them as much as possible on how they get their devices to us. Yeah, but how do you also protect yourselves then? Because you could get someone, Chancellor, saying, oh, it's in fair condition now. Yeah, give me the whatever amount of money it is. They send it back to you and then you get something that doesn't switch on. The screen is smashed, the camera is smashed and it's essentially a heap of junk. Yeah, well, like there is a process. We have a whole workflow process. The customer is updated with every step. Like they, the package is shipped, the package arrives to us, the package is tested, and we're bringing in new procedures. Like we literally hope to get to a stage where the customer will be able to see exactly, see on a video when the device arrives to us, how it's tested, how it's graded. We're looking at AI technology to do all this and to take out any human discretion. Um, but of course, 
people will chance their arms, but we honestly believe, and we see this from the sales point of view, most people um, are fair, and sometimes they actually undervalue their phones. And we've had cases already when we've tested over the past month where they think their phone is fair, but it's actually a normal. And we'll pay that because like either way, we've obviously worked out our margins. We know what we're going to make. And if the customer get, get, get more, sure, they're going to talk about us. We're an Irish business and they'll support us. Yeah, so it does seem like I, I'm almost waiting to find the catch. You know, <laughs> when when these things come along, I sometimes do have a bit of a sceptical arched eyebrow waiting for the other shoe to drop. But I've, I've just clicked through the website there. So if you want to go on and have a look yourself, it's sell.gettech.com. I would love to hear from you. If you're someone who's used the service, email techtalk at newstalk.com. Um, you mentioned that this is all still relatively early doors. You're going to add the different types of technology that you accept back. Would you encourage yeah. people to reach out if they have a device and maybe it's not appeared on the website? Do you encourage people to get in touch with you or is it a case of, look, just give us a bit yeah. of time to bet it down? No, like there's an option in the bottom of the website called Get a Custom Quote. And that really is like... Like we had an inquiry yesterday, for example, a guy was looking to sell one, an, a, an A51, a Samsung phone, because he wanted an iPhone 11. And it wasn't on the website, the pretty new phones, but we gave him a quote. It, it's really just us about, like, um, like I'm directly involved in running this myself, because so, it's very important. And I suppose, as you said, it does seem too good to be true, but the reason we're doing this, because as I said, buying directly for consumers is much more beneficial for us as a business than buying directly from a distributor who bought it from Apple to sell to us. So this is what we're trying to do and really push it out into Ireland. So so for anyone who is maybe going to spend uh, some period over the Christmas, uh, you know, cleaning out all those tech drawers and so on, um, they just go onto the website, they follow the steps that I just carried out there now and that's kind of the height of it, is it? Yeah, and there's live customer support on the bottom right-hand side. We have a team of five people here in customer support. So that's to ring us, they can call us. Um, everyone is pretty new, but they're all, we've hired very experienced people and customer support is there. Um, so that's what we're here for. The phones are always ringing, there's always emails. So certainly use us, we're there to help. And if, if as you said, if, if there's a device not on the website, I've, I have an option on the back end to turn on everything. Like I can turn on, um, playstations, smart homes, smart watches, you name it, like drones. Like this is where we actively want to buy as much as possible um, because we'll find a home from it. Like we, we sell all across Europe, not just Ireland. Okay, I, I expect that you guys are going to be super busy on Monday morning. Um, if you do want to go onto the website again, Thanks, I will just give it to you again. It's sell.gettech.com. The company itself is called GetTech. It's based in Cork City. Uh, John Conway, thank you so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thank you, Jess. Thanks for your time. Coming up next here on News Talk, Colin Baker of Back From The Future is going to join us to talk about those pesky supply chain issues this Christmas. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. On News Talk. With One Sonic. High definition audio noise cancelling headphones designed in Ireland. Visit onesonic.com. Tech Talk at Newstalk.com is the email address if you would like to get in touch at any stage. Uh, we have alluded to it quite a few times over the last few months, but there are serious uh, supply chain issues impacting 
supply of uh, a lot of tech products, which is a huge source of frustration for people. Uh, And I'm delighted to say we're joined now by Colin Baker of Back From The Future to talk through what the issues are and just how much of a headache it is for both uh, retailers and the consumer. Uh, Colin, am I overstating this issue or is it a real problem that is palpable from your side of the street? I'd say you're understating it, if anything. Uh, I'm actually just getting off a horse. And I was talking to these boys who put shoes on the horses and they were saying that they were having terrible trouble getting the shoes for the horses. It just reminded me that this is insidious and and I'm not putting too blunt a word on it there throughout all industries or a lot of industries. Remember, for the most part, our supply chains have established over decades and relationships and um, literally roots that Uh, products took mostly through the UK. If you also remember that as a small island, smaller in population than Manchester, we became for a lot of large brands just a subdivision of the UK. So when you go to trade fairs and the likes in Germany, a lot of the, the people there wouldn't actually know that Ireland was separate to the UK. So we were just, that is why over the decades, over the eons, we had those established routes through the UK. And that is actually, now we we talk about the Suez Canal and COVID, but for tech, in my experience over the last few months, the Brexit and the conditions and customs and um, lethargy that it's created within that supply chain, not just lethargy, but inability. We had one particular supplier and they've great deals for us at the moment. We cannot get the stuff into the country. It's bouncing back. It's arriving with mad uh, kind of uh, illegible uh, fees, fines and, and duties on it that we can't really fathom and and, and, and can't enumerate, can't, can't attach to anything. So it's, it yeah, in answer to your question, um, the long and short is you're understating it. This is a serious problem. And it's, it's I suppose, a perfect storm of Brexit, COVID, um, and then the slowdown in production as well and the lack of chips. OK, so it's a perfect storm of all of those things coming together. Um, are, are, is there any sort of devices that are completely exempt from it or is it across the board? Because we've heard, obviously, of huge demand for the things like the PS5s and the Xbox uh, consoles. But I'm also hearing for basic things like, you know, whether it is a Chromebook or even printers. It, it does. I get the sense that it's right across the board. It's funny, I just noticed, uh, and you might notice in some of the catalogs and the, 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 the product shelves and some of the tech stores, the US international keyboard has become more normal on the shelf now than, of course, back before Brexit, we were all using UK keyboards. That's changed now because it's actually easier to bring in product from the States and from the US market than it is to bring it in from the UK. So uh, I suppose it is across the board. Um, The only things I suppose that are exempt are things that are produced wholly in Ireland or in fairness in the EU. And for a lot of small businesses that were kind of preemptive and adaptive um, and and inclined to progress, uh, you know, changes were made. And some of our suppliers 
uh, redirected attentions and built relationships with companies in Germany and France. Um, we, as you know, do a lot of factory refurbished laptops from Lenovo. That was through Lenovo in the UK, but about a year before Brexit came along. We, uh, I suppose, threw out the rods uh, and fished for other connections within Lenovo within Europe. And we ended up connecting with Denmark. And believe it or not, now we've established a trade route with Denmark whereby we get stock next day. Now, it's not cheap, but at least it's without those duties uh, and it's measurable, predictable, and you can plan out your, your, your product purchasing strategy. So I think if you can adapt and build those relationships with uh, new people outside of the UK and within the EU, it does make it a lot easier and uh, you, you can kind of avert the disasters. In terms of the, the impact on your business, how much longer can your business and other businesses in our industry sustain this before they have to start passing some of the expense onto the consumer? Are we going to see prices go through the roof now? Well, we've already seen it in the construction industry. Uh, timber has gone up threefold, metals and steels uh, and, and metallurgy in general has gone up uh, at least twofold. Um, paint has gone up, uh, chemicals have gone up. Uh, so, so a lot of the constituent parts and components um, of construction and then of minerals that are used to uh, develop and build chips, motherboards, uh, cases. So it does, I suppose, it trickles down or up as the case may be, and eventually leads to the consumer. So yes, prices have already been hiked. Um, and uh, remember that the, the, the pressure on wages and salaries in Ireland is upwards as well. So there's a, again, a perfect storm of economy there, I believe, uh, whereby uh, it is going to be a huge challenge for businesses, uh, small and large, to maintain profitability and ultimately Maybe we think sometimes profit is a bad word. Ultimately, if a business can't maintain profitability, it's not sustainable and jobs are lost. So it is a looming catastrophe if something isn't done about it. Well, obviously, that's a very broad question. Yeah, like it's incredibly grim. We are, of course, coming in on the back of Black Friday and Cyber Monday, which saw a lot of people do their shopping online um, this is usually a, an event powered by some of the big tech retailers, the big multinational tech retailers who can afford to do crazy essential giveaway prices. For people listening to this now who um, you know, are contemplating doing their shopping online, would you urge people to support local and to bear with the, the, the Irish retailers as they try to make their way through this period of unpleasant change that is so far out of their control? I think we're in Ireland, we're a very loyal, very um, kind of um, uh, conscientious consumer. We consider the quality of what we're buying, where we're buying it from, the support we're going to get. So first of all, the consumer in Ireland is an intelligent, uh, enlightened, uh, informed consumer. Um, and I think a, a lot of people do want to keep it local and buy local. Obviously, by doing so, you're supporting, supporting local employment. Uh, you're acquiring things through which you'll get local support, particularly if it's a complex product like a computer. Um, and, and obviously, you're fueling the local economy. Um, but a lot of the time, convenience trumps 
that natural desire to be loyal. And we all, you know, as much as I'm a local retailer and I fly the flag of local retail, I buy things on Amazon because I can't find it anywhere else. And I know I'm going to get it in two days or three days or whenever the thing says. So, you know, there is a balance uh, that I've come to accept and, and it is the way of the future. And we retailers, we small businesses and large, we need to adapt, grow, progress and always improve. Obviously, the challenges of COVID and uh, lockdowns and Brexit uh, does stifle that ability. But, you know, Ireland is an entrepreneurial nation, an adaptive nation. Uh, we will come through it and we will come through it in a lot of cases stronger. Absolutely. Well, look, Colin, it's always a pleasure to chat to you. Uh, anyone who listens to the show or follows my Instagram Q&As will know that I'm a big fan of what you and your team do. I think you are one of the little gems in the crown of Irish tech. Uh, so thank you for joining us here on News Talk and we will chat to you again soon. Thanks, Jess. And that is all we have time for this week. If you missed any of the show, you can, of course, listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. I'll be back with Shane and Kira on News Talk Breakfast on Monday morning. And then on Tuesday morning, I'll be with Pat to continue our gift guide. Uh, if you're looking for a particular recommendation, you can email me right now, techtalk at newstalk.com. And I will do my best to get back to you before Tuesday via email. Or if not, we will address it on the Pat Kenny Show on Tuesday morning. John Fardy's up next here on News Talk. I will chat to you next week.